Have you heard? 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 Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Have You Heard? I'm Aaron French. And I'm Jennifer Berkshire. And we are back live in the DC studio. Thank goodness. <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? What's the topic? Our topic this week is busing. There is a new book out that argues that pretty much everything we think we know about the history of busing in the U.S. is wrong, or at least incomplete. And you were actually able to meet up with the author recently in Boston, yes? I, I did, and... As you know, Boston has really come to stand for the kind of heated resistance to busing. And as Matt Delmont, the author, is going to explain to us, there's so much more to this story than what we've heard about. And I believe the story starts in City Hall. It does. Even if you've never been to the vast brick plaza that surrounds Boston City Hall, you've probably seen it. It was the site of a violent protest over school busing in 1976, a clash that was captured in a single unforgettable image. There's a photograph that was taken there by a photographer named Stanley Foreman. I called the picture the soiling of old glory. And what it was was a South Boston white uh, protester using an American flag with a flagpole as a weapon to try to stab an African-American attorney named Ted Landsmark. Uh, it was an iconic photograph because it really encapsulated so much of the racial tension and racial dynamics that were at play in the story. Um, an African-American man trying to avoid being impaled by what is supposed to be a symbol of democracy and injustice in the country, the American flag. That iconic image also captures something else about the battle over busing, says Matt Delmont, the author of a new book called Why Busing Failed. It represents just how much the story about busing has been mistold. It becomes a story that's about white anger and white feelings, white frustration, as opposed to the constitutional rights of black students. That it's an iconic photograph, but doesn't end up telling you much about what was actually at stake. And what was at stake was the educational, educational opportunities and futures of black students, as opposed to just this uh, epic confrontation between uh, white, white protesters and uh, African-American lawyers in this case. The first thing you need to know about Delmont's book is that it's really good. The second, that even the title is kind of a trick because busing was never the real issue. Part of what gets lost when busing gets, becomes the term that everyone rallies around and becomes the term that the media gets fixated on is that busing was one tool to try to desegregate schools, that busing itself was not the issue. The issue was school desegregation. Even the idea that somehow kids traveling on buses to get to school was somehow a new thing turns out to be fundamentally wrong, says Delmont. Buses had long been used in America to transport school children all across the country. It's what made the modern school system possible. Um, you see huge growth in the number of students who are transported from the 1920s to the 1970s. No one opposes that. People like buses because it allows them to get to better resource schools, more modern schools. Busing only becomes a problem when it gets linked to school desegregation. Um, and in fact, in the South, buses were used to maintain school segregation. So you had white students being bused past closer black schools to go to all white schools, African-American students having to walk to, to African-American schools. So busing had long been part of the educational experience of most American students. In other words, the issue was never busing itself. It was who was on the bus and where they were headed. Resistance to busing actually starts in New York in the 1950s, just after the Brown versus Board. You start to see white parents there organizing, marching 
and protesting using this language of busing. And it becomes a, a code word for resisting school desegregation. So what they're protesting is plans that are going to send a few hundred black and Puerto Rican students from overcrowded schools in Brooklyn to predominantly white schools in Queens. These are going to be one-way programs. They're not going to bus any white students. But mothers, primarily mothers, are out protesting, holding signs, saying busing creates fussing. And what they're resisting is having black and Puerto Rican students come into their schools, but they don't say that explicitly. They use this code word of busing, and that's the language that gets stuck, this language of busing, neighborhood schools. That becomes really powerful because it's a way to resist school desegregation without having to say that you don't want to send your uh, kids to school with black Puerto Rican students. Delmont's book is also about how the media shaped our understanding of the resistance to school desegregation. He watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of television footage, the unedited tape that the public never sees. And he noticed something that never made it on to the evening news. But what you see in some of this unedited footage is the white parents struggling to stay on message. And so they're actually coaching each other to that they go off record or off off um off message and say, you know, we don't want to send our, our kids to school with those N-words or, or those um, poor black kids they're immediately sort of coached back that it's not that, it's about neighborhood schools, it's about protecting our community, it's our right as homeowners and parents. And that what's interesting to see those things unfold in, in sort of this archival tape in, in real time, that they understood the power of these practiced um, soundbite messages, that if they said busing, if they said neighborhood schools, that was okay, that therefore their claims were valid, Those were they considered those to be their civil rights claims. They were very practice in making sure they did not use racial epithets if they could avoid it, because they didn't want to be um, aligned with what they saw to be racist resistance in the South. Those TV news broadcasts were viewed by millions of Americans, but they weren't the only ones watching. U.S. senators were paying close attention to the white parents protesting in New York, even as they were debating the Civil Rights Act. That uh, was stunning to me, that you saw that sort of quick, almost like we call social media now, that kind of quick feedback loop of of reading constituents' fears, reading their desires, and then trying to craft legislation that's going to favor those those outcomes. But the role the media played went beyond just editing out comments that would have painted white parents as openly racist. They narrowed the frame of what the battles over school busing were really about. By focusing so much of their attention on angry white resistance, the media erased much of the real story, the civil rights demands that black students were making way before the cameras ever showed up. The largest, demographically, the largest civil rights event of the 1960s is a school boycott in New York. It's not the March on Washington, it's not in the South, it's a school boycott in New York, where 460,000 students stay out of school to protest the school conditions. Um, And they're not just talking about having black kids sit next to white kids. In fact, that's not what they're talking about at all. They're talking about the resource differences, the difference between the number of qualified teachers in the schools, the difference between the class sizes, how dilapidated the buildings are, um, what kind of textbook support they have. These are the issues that they're demanding change on. It was the same story in Boston. That infamous picture that started our episode, it wasn't taken until 1976, but 13 years before it was plastered all over national newspapers, some 8,000 African-American students and civil rights activists marched through Boston's Roxbury neighborhood to a school that was built during the Civil War. Their demand? An end to separate and unequal facilities in the Boston school system. You see similar protests in Chicago, over 200 thousand students stay out for a freedom boycott there, protests in Boston, um, Seattle, Cleveland, all making very similar sets of demands, trying to force these issues into the, the foreground. Almost all of that is is lost and evaded when the focus shifts to busing and the school, uh, resistance to school desegregation from, from white parents. That in part, it was that 
the media outlets in the North, papers like the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, were in some cases indifferent to, in other cases hostile to civil rights movements in their own city. They approached it very differently than they covered the South. When they were looking South, there's a sense of moral urgency that these are things the nation had to deal with. When they looked in their own backyards, there was a sense that these are not issues that have the same moral importance that the issues in the South do. Those huge student protests have mostly been forgotten. What's remembered is the rage of the white anti-busing protesters in Boston, who get painted as somehow uniquely racist. And that, says Delmont, ends up letting everyone else off the hook. The reality is that the majority of white Americans never supported civil rights when it came to their own neighborhoods and schools, that we have that evidence, and that that's not something we like to talk about because it um, it's scary. Throughout his whole book, Delmont puts the word busing in quotes to call attention to how politically loaded, racially coded, and just plain inaccurate it is. But what he's really hoping is that once we get at the why of why busing failed, we can move on to what was really behind school segregation and finally get real about doing something about it. Busing failed because school officials, politicians, and the news media valued the perspectives of white people over the constitutional rights of black students. School segregation was never accidental. There were sort of specific policy choices people made with regards to school zoning, school siting, um, school attendance lines, school funding. That's what created maintained segregated schools all across the country. And when people, if they care about these issues now, if they want to see a different set of outcomes, they need to make a different set of choices. Um, and those are politically fraught choices that they're reason this failed previously is there's a lack of political will. Um, but if people want to see different outcomes, they need to fight for different uh, choices with regards to zoning, school siting, funding, all these things that matter. And taking education as a, as a civic good and not just something that's important for one's own family or one's own very narrow definition of community. Historians are a famously pessimistic bunch. And Delmont is the first to admit that why busing failed isn't what you'd call a feel-good book. But he says that he's actually way more hopeful about the future today than he was when he started this project more than six years ago. If I'm looking for places for optimism now, I think it just has to be that if people are talking about it again, if we have a fully informed sense of this history, why things didn't succeed fully in the past, that I'm hopeful people can make a different set of choices now. But it requires political will that we haven't demonstrated yet in American history with regards to education and civil rights. Once again, the name of Matt's book is Why Busing Failed, Race, Media, and the National Resistance to School Desegregation. A big thank you to all those folks that have been with us since the beginning of the podcast so far. And I can say that Jennifer and I are currently scoping out what our final five episodes of the season are. We're halfway through and we're really excited to bring you guys the rest of those over the coming months. But until then... I'm Aaron French, and that's what we've heard.